0: It's been a great blessing to me also to be able to meet each week with Joseph and his sister and study the Bible. And I find it quite providential that when I come up here, the one that precedes me is Joseph who prepared me in a way to present what I'm going to present. And I want to thank you for that. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Micah 6, starting with verse 6. And as you're turning there just going to say a couple of things you know in the days in which we live there's no limit to the number of people or institutions or establishments that are all too ready to tell you this is right, this is wrong do this, do that, this is up this is down, this is west, this is east and I thought as we're going into the new year perhaps we could do something a little different let's see what God requires of us first And see if he'll answer those questions. So let's take a look at Micah 6, starting with verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves, a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? 10,000 rivers of oil. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Here's the answer. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Let us pray. Lord, you have been our rock and redeemer. Draw near to us, O God, this morning. And teach us how we might live lives that are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I first started looking at these passages with the idea of, what does it mean to walk with God? And I found the answers are in the passage here. Three words that we could take with us for this year. Justly, do justice, to love mercy, and to be humble. So what I thought we'd do is we'll take a look at some of these words and I'll try to flesh them out for you a little bit and see if we can get a little closer to the idea of what does it mean to walk with god so when we look first at justice or to do justice justice and i'll give you a definition justice is the virtue of following god's law in our dealing with each other and administering the law with honesty impartiality integrity and i might add humility it's considered a weightier matter of the law. Matthew twenty three twenty three. Righteousness, which is the same word often used. and You have to look at the context to know which one it is. But righteousness is the conformity of our hearts and lives to divine law. As it applies to God's moral requirements for people in the world. Listen to what Luke says. In the days of Herod, king of Judea. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. So when you think of justice, you think of righteousness, think of them as two sides of one coin. You may distinguish them, but you can't really separate them. Job says this in verse 14, chapter 29. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. For justice to take place, you must first have a godly standard. And then that standard must be rightly administered. God's law not only gives us the moral standards and requirements for godly living, but also contains instructions of how it is to be administered. The administrative requirements, obligations, duties imposed by God upon individuals or groups are the boundaries or parameters within which justice, if it is to be biblical, must occur. You might say it this way. Godly justice exists when you have an equal, impartial application or administration of God's laws to all people in all times, places, circumstances, irrespective of race, ethnicity, wealth, gender, or man-made status. Said another way, Godly justice occurs when God's laws are administered in a God-honoring fashion. And that's what he wants you to do. As Christians, we listen to God's word. And he will show us a lot from it. One of the things he will show us is when an injustice has taken place. When a law of the land contradicts his word. Or when people or actions are evil. We will not take our understanding of justice or injustice from those with an ideological political agenda outside biblical law, no matter how popular they may be. As Christians, we will not look to anything other than the Bible for the moral foundation, for the godly means to rectify injustice. The goal of biblical justice is restitution and the restoration of God's order and purpose. It encourages us to recognize our rightful place And that is made in the image of God, a creature. And purpose to glorify our creator. It does this by declaring what is evil and restraining it. And declaring what is good and elevating it. When injustice takes place, man or woman, individually or collectively, have elevated themselves to being God, being the determiner of right and wrong. God's word is our ultimate authority and it's the foundation of our faith, practice and dealings with each other. When times are confusing and the way doesn't seem clear, it and it alone is the light which shines in a dark place to show us the way to go. As Christians, we will not look to any other place to find what we should do and how we should behave. Now if we look in our culture now. Where justice seems to be thrown around quite a bit. You hear all sorts of things about justice don't we? Whether it's educational justice. Racial justice. Social justice. Environmental justice. When someone talks to you about any of these things. Here's what I want you to remember. Three questions. Number one whose morals or values are going to be used to determine whether injustice has taken place? Number two, whose morals or values are going to be used to determine how the injustice will be rectified? And number three, how can we be assured that only the person or group responsible for the injustice will bear the burden of its correction, making sure That a new injustice is not created while fixing an old one. The second word I want to look at briefly is the word mercy, or to be merciful. We all know what mercy is. Being found guilty by the application of a righteous law, the king or judge then says, I pardon you, or you are pardoned, or you are forgiven. Your debt is forgiven. We love mercy when we're on the receiving end. But the giving end, that is sometimes another story. What if we're on the receiving end of an injustice? Often, we will need to overcome bitterness and anger. Often, we need to forgive those things that are impossible to forget. I remember the parable of the unforgiving servant. Servant. And I'll read you some of that. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. So also my heavenly father will do every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Easy to read, difficult to do. I struggle with this and know many of you are struggling right now with injustices that have come upon you and hardships that have been placed into your lives by others and your families. How are we to meet the challenge? How are we to answer that? How do we meet the challenge of forgiving, forgiving others? Well, we need to ask God for the gift of a forgiving heart. Because with men, I'd have to say it's impossible. We need God's help. Ask him to bring to your remembrance what Jesus experienced. Share how you feel with others. We're a body here. We're a family. Share with your family. Will extending mercy and forgiveness be easy? No. But you are not in this alone. There's another usage of the word mercy in our Bibles. This type of mercy is motivated also by grace. Grace being the unmerited favor shown to others. It is understood as acts of mercy, acts of love and kindness shown to others. There's no sin here that needs forgiveness. There is no debt that needs to be paid. It is seen in the washing of feet by Jesus when he said, I've given you an example. We also see it in the feeding of the 5,000. And I'm also reminded of this statement from the Old Testament. He who is merciful to the poor honors God. So to summarize, we show mercy by forgiving others their trespasses against us and acts of love and kindness as we meet the needs of those around us. And when we look at the idea of walking humbly. I want to look at this briefly. First of all, what is not humility? Or what humility is not? And there are a lot of examples. It is not saying, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High God. It is not deciding... You want to be like God knowing for yourself good and evil and eating the forbidden fruit to try to accomplish that. That's not humility. It is not saying, come, let us build ourselves a city and make a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. It is certainly not saying to Moses, who is the Lord that I should obey him? It is not as Nebuchadnezzar did. Is this not great Babylon which I have built by my power and my royal residence for the glory of my majesty? And it is certainly not like what we read in Acts about Herod. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, delivered an oration to them, and the people were shouting, The voice of a god and not of a man immediately an angel of the lord struck him down because he did not give god the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last so to recap these we have an angel thrown out of heaven we have our parents thrown out of paradise we have a people scattered all over the earth Pharaoh, well, he loses his kingdom. He loses his army and he loses his life. Nebuchadnezzar eats grass like an ox. Herod, eaten by worms. So might we say this, things did not turn out well for those that put their fist in God's face that lack humility before him. But what are some of the things that start describing humility? Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things come to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. What does it mean to be humble? Let's listen to one who was humbled. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what are you doing? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride. He is able to humble. So to be humble before God is to remember our place and purpose in the creation. And to guide ourselves accordingly. Our place is not the center of the universe. But as creatures made in God's image in holiness, righteousness, knowledge, and dominion. Our purpose is to glorify God, loving him with our entire body, soul, mind, and strength, and walking in his statutes and ordinances, doing all things as unto him, and observing all the things Jesus taught his disciples. We are to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To be humble is to remember too, as we read in the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It is to recall and align our life as Daniel speaks of. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To be humble is to recognize and align our lives to the fact that we are sinners deserving God's wrath. But we have been shown mercy It is to recognize that all the good things that we have, we have been given. The best examples of humility? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Did he not say on one occasion, not my will? but thy will be done. Listen to the words from Paul. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped or clutched to, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross." So another aspect of walking in humility before God is to be a servant to God's people. As we read of Jesus, he came not to be served, but to serve others. It also means striving to count others more significant than yourselves. That's a hard one. All these are challenges. I'm reading them, but that doesn't make them easy. Striving to count others more significant than ourselves. Giving others the place of honor. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Can we not seek those in need? Whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual. Can we not be the ones that help the broken hearted? To visit the widow and orphan in their distress. Is this not to know me, says the Lord. Being a servant is a humble thing. This idea of being a servant to all opens another aspect in which we may walk humbly with God. How how so? Because our actions in this life, our actions in this world, our actions on what we may call the horizontal plane between us and others has vertical consequences between us and God. If you have been challenged, as I have, wrapping, trying to wrap your mind around the idea of walking humbly with God, then think about this question. How is your relationship with others related to your walking humbly with God? There's a principle in Matthew 25 which begins to open this up a little bit and I want to share it with you this morning. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will say. To him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of these, the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of these the least of my brethren, you didn't do it to me. There are two verses and I already spoke of one uh, which showed this quite clearly, this idea. The first one, inasmuch as you've done of these the least, a good thing. He who is... Generous to the poor, honors God. That's big. I want you to think about that. He was generous to the poor, honors God. Now, the other passage which I read, which is the negative part, the Bible also says He who despises the poor insults his maker. You wonder why there's a little problem in First Corinthians chapter eleven? Paul says they despised the poor, and some were taken out because of that. You might find that kind of kind of odd, but if you want to research it out, you find that God tells you that in the book of Proverbs. He says, You afflict and rob the poor, I'll rob you of life. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We serve the God who says, I change not. In summary, we begin by reading the passage from Micah that asked, what does the Lord require of you? This year, when you're not sure, when all seems to be in darkness, when you're being pulled left and right and up and down and all around, remember Micah 6, 6 through 8. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We explored the idea of what it means to walk humbly with God. First, we saw that the prideful soul is far from God and no good ever comes of that. Secondly, secondly, We saw some characteristics of souls humbled before God. We remember our place and our purpose. When you look at the world and you wonder what is going on, every time, everything you look at, someone, something has forgotten their place and their purpose. Our place is not the center of the universe, but a creature made in God's image. Our purpose is to glorify God, loving him and loving our neighbors as ourselves. We also saw that when we are in doubt or have questions about how we may humbly walk with God, we have but to look at his people, the ones he redeemed with his blood, and ask ourselves this question, how may I exercise humility towards them and be their servant? Remember what Jesus said Inasmuch as you have done it unto these the least of my brethren you have done it unto me And all God's people said Amen. Let us pray O oh Lord you have given us every good spiritual blessing and now as we bring the exposition of your word to a close we ask that you make us a people that walks humbly with you a people that are known as servants to all, a faith-filled people that sing praises of gratitude. Draw near to us, O God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.